Everything on the podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing I say is meant to treat or diagnose, or it's not even advice for you to follow. So remember, when you're listening to the podcast, I am a doctor. I'm just not your doctor. Welcome to On Call with Dr. Dave. Today, we're talking with Dr. Jody. And Dr. Jody has an interesting story. He is a doctor who is going through medical school. And most doctors don't go through medical school. Most people go through medical school to become a doctor. So your situation is very unique. And I'd love to have you take me through the first time you went to medical school, where you're from, and what possessed you to do this (laughs) twice. You must love medicine and caring for people more than anybody else. Because if you told me I had to start over, I love doing what I do. I just don't know if I could go through that again. So <laughs> tell me about yourself. Tell me the story. First of all, thank you for having me on your show. When you put the questions like that, it sure does bring so many emotions right now. So I'm from Nepal. Originally, I'm from Nepal. I immigrated back in 2012 to the U.S. I was in Nepal. I did my medical school there, graduated in 2006, seven and then started working as full critical care for five or six years, give or take. When I was in medical school, my parents immigrated to US, but I was there. I was in Nepal, but my parents and my sister were here. So my mom started blackmailing me, <laughs> saying, <laughs> you, you, so you gotta become here. We can't deal without you. And I was like, mm, I think I have a good life here. <laughs> I'm working as a physician and parents are they they wanted me to come and then life happened I met my wife we got married and I came in 2012 then went through the process of your summary the exams passed everything and then because I would be an IMG the international medical graduate so I have to do a thing called USCE the United States clinical experience thing so I was rotating with internists. I was rotating with different hospitals and and clinics. And then I started applying for residency. The first two times uh, didn't match. I was like, okay. Then I started doing sub eyes. I did interviews, was very happy. And again, uh, it didn't match. Hmm. Went into a bit of a turmoil. Believe it or not, I started going to a public library getting LSAT books. Wow. Because... Okay. Wow. <laughs> that's a left turn. Yeah. <laughs> going to law school would be. Yeah, <laughs> I was very naive. I was thinking very childish, thinking that I would go into law and the first thing I do after I pass out is I start suing these programs that didn't get me. I was that heartbroken. <laughs> hey, yeah, you got to find that passion or fire someplace, whatever, whatever kept you going. Channel it one way or the other. And then my wife came one day and said, I, I, sh- I support you what you do. If you, if your heart is in it, go for it. But think about this. A law school is four years. Medical school is four years. Law, zero about law. <laughs> At least you know something about med- medicine. So if you want to go to school, which school should you pick? Mm. And now third year medical student. So when you said Dr. Jodi in the beginning, it shook me. I'm like, oh my God, I have not heard 
doctor in front of my name for a long time <laughs> and even now like my friends my peers when they call me doctor sometimes and don't call me the doc i'm still a medical student we'll, we'll get there though we'll get there so some of the best doctors i've worked with have trained in foreign countries and then came over to the united states and they were able to get into residencies without doing medical school some of them did do medical school you are a doctor you earned that title and you came to a country that unfortunately didn't recognize your talents from the get-go but you are proving to everybody that you definitely deserve that title do you find that going through it a second time has been beneficial for you the going twice is is difficult for sure it's difficult like any student is a tough job and given that a medical student is like going back to immuno micro biochems and Krebs cycle again it was just very tough but has it been beneficial yes it i think it solidifies your knowledge more i'm not saying there would be loopholes or there will be holes in your medical knowledge by the time you're a fellow or you're attending but knowing the basics again really helps your understanding of the subject material more that really helps but uh, with a lot of pain <laughs> yeah yeah what were there early experiences as a doctor in nepal that really solidified why you would even go through this i, I have to imagine you had some experiences either personally or directly with patients that really solidified in your mind that this is what you're meant to do. Can you think of any of those stories? So many. It's a little bit different being a physician back home. You are really treated like a superhuman, nearly God, if not God. One was a patient came in the clinic, normal day, patient come, fever, blah, 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 this cough and this and that. And then I send an x-ray, chest x-ray comes, um, I see pneumonia. And, and then she goes, yeah, I've been to doctors. I have got this fe uh, fever for so many days. Nobody's able to treat me. She had her own complaints of other physicians and blah, blah, blah. And then I go, okay, why don't you take these medications and come back five days? We'll do some repeat chest x-rays and we'll see. She comes out of five days and she touches my feet with her head. That's how we show respect to the elders back in the pub. And I was like, okay, this is not happening. <laughs> okay, it can not happen. For us at that time, as, as a physician, I think that comes to us natural that, oh, you write a drug or an antibiotic and then that's because we studied, that's not a rocket science for us. But for her, when she was from a very rural place where she didn't, couldn't find you know, physicians or whatnot. And then she had to be with me and then I gave her a medication. And that was such a huge relief because she was out of her ailments. And when she tossed my feet, I was like, that moment I was like, oh my God, this is not happening. And she like, we talked and then it's okay, fine. And then when she was like, with her tears, she goes, thank you so much for saving my life. In my head, like you're like, like God, like you're superhuman. You did all this for me. And I'm, I'm still thinking, but I studied that. I didn't do anything heavenly it was just a bunch of medications and it struck me like how many patients would be there that have not seen doctors for such a long time the other incident is there's a rural place in Nepal, 
what I'm saying. There are way too many rural places in Nepal. <laughs> so <laughs> this place uh, is called Jumla. And then the only way to reach there is by air. If, or if you have a horse. We went there for for a free health camp. A bunch of my friends, we had some lab technicians took some just to do simple labs like CBCs and not high five but small things. And we took a bunch of medications. Two incidents. One is a guy came and then sat in front of me and he goes, how you doing? And I said, that is my question. How you doing? <laughs> and he goes like, oh, I'm okay. I'm perfectly fine. And, and then why are you here for a health camp then? If something's bothering you, all good, what's going on? Yeah, everything is good for a heartburn and one medication for diarrhea and one for fever, please. And I looked at him like, but do you have those? He goes, no. And why do we need this? So he goes, oh, I walked four days, four days because I heard a team of doctors are coming here to give medications and to check up on people. I haven't seen a doctor for seven years. To see a doctor, I have to walk eight days. So four days I can see you. I don't know when I'll be sick, but these are the common things that I might have that I think. So could you write me this medication so that I can go home before it's dark outside? That really shakes your belief in how you can help people. The problems that we think that we have is nothing compared to a person who walks four days just to see a guy wearing a white coat. That is, I haven't, that's unbelievable for me to think on today's day and age. Yeah, we take it for granted. I did medical school in Virginia. And some people in West Virginia in these rural communities wouldn't go to doctors or it was rare for them to see a doctor. And, but even that, they could jump in a car, take a bus. It, it's even when they didn't have easy access, they still had access. They didn't have to walk. And it's, yeah. And that first patient that you shared, so grateful that she touched her head to your feet. For you, you wrote a prescription, you diagnosed something that was very straightforward and gave her the right prescription, but she's right for, for her. You saved her life. An unchecked pneumonia could have killed her. And so it's, we take all these things for granted that the knowledge that we have, the knowledge of hundreds and thousands of doctors before us and medical schools and books and all the companies that make the medications and test them, it just exists in our world. But for so many people, it doesn't exist until we offer it to them, until we give them that information. And that's amazing. I think about that man walking four days to take care of himself for the future. Like the amount of foresight or the amount of ownership he has over his own health to be even thinking, Hey, in the future, perhaps at one point I might need these medications. And yeah. I think that we're in danger of letting our health go too much because we take for granted how easy it is to access these things. We're not looking, we can get, you can barely get people to think about what their health will be a year from now, let alone 10 years from now or any right. kind of preventative care. And this guy's hallelujah. I only have to walk four days instead of eight days to get some medications that I might maybe need in the future to keep myself alive. How many people or patients do you know that take those preventative measures now? 
it really makes you think hard what medicine can do and what can be done mm-hmm. for the betterment of of humankind more than patients of, of human being yeah. you said you had two stories from that so the other that one is funny that place is very cold it's up in the mountains uh when i say cold like really cold <laughs> and obviously it's like the population over there is not well off like poor and they have that daily duties to do just to eat dinner maybe it's very tough life they have so we have two big holidays festivals festivals in nepal one is called dasai one is called tihar 15 days is separated between these two so the biggest festivals we have so so this guy comes and he has layer of skin on top of his skin like you can see that something's weird on his hands and we've been talking and he goes oh i have abdomen pain and this and that and then we give the medication and just fyi ask oh is that your regular skin it's different and he goes like this and goes, yeah i don't know this has been here for eight nine ten months now or even a year oh can i I'm like yeah I try to scratch it off and easily get scratched. And before, yeah, okay, in the beginning it might get, but it gets off. And the more I peel, it comes off like a mud, a mud kind of thing. And I'm doing this, I'm looking at it in the glove and it's mud. And I ask him, sorry, personal question, don't you take showers? He goes, Doc, it's so cold over here and I have to work. I am not taking shower every day. I'm taking shower once a year during the site. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, like, I have no words what to say about that now. Yeah, he just had a layer of mud. Just that was a part of his body. He had it for nine, 10 months, and he just didn't even think about it. Just that's his second skin, his mud layer. Maybe it kept him a little warm. I don't know. Probably. Exactly. That's what he said. That's exactly what I said. I'm not taking this out because it's taking me warm, but infection wise, I'm fine. Just give me the medication for my abdomen pain. I'm out of here. Like, no worse. <laughs> Once a year. That's a new one. It's, but it's very cold. I, I stay, we stayed there for five days. I'm not going to lie. I think I shower two days. You know what? <laughs> Deal is fine. And also you warm up the water. And then when you start taking shower. Oh, okay. Also, there's no gas heater that's nothing this it's like a real real place by the time the water is boiled and you're taking shower cold it's gonna say i love how you're like once a year but i get it like i get it <laughs> not even not even judging him just thinking yeah i i understand that choice yeah yeah i get it now since you've been in the states what's your biggest or your most memorable patient encounter what was a memorable encounter when i got to speak nepali with a nepali patient I went into this room and the patient, I saw the name, it was an obvious name. So I went in and when I started talking in English first, and then I said, in Nepali, I said, hello, you're speaking Nepali. The amount of shock she face <laughs> when I said in Nepali, I was like, what? <laughs> and then she was very happy that she could 
share things that was easier to for her to share in her native language than in English. So I thought New York, every other person would be Nepali. That's what I was thinking. If I go in the hospital, every third or second or third person would be a Nepali patient, but I've never seen a Nepali patient. And she was the first one. And <laughs> till now, she's the only one I have saw seen. And that was a very, the way she had, she could explain her things to me in her language. It was, it was quite nice to, I just talk in Nepali inside a hospital. <laughs> I know how important it is for people to be understood and to have somebody that understands them. So for somebody to speak her language, I know when we have people that are deaf in my clinics, American Disability Act, we're required by law to have a translator. Some people waive that right and they just come in and we type on the computer, or we go back and forth, but when we bring in the interpreters and we have that full conversation back and forth, I can just see how much it helps. And then it's just, it's touching to go that extra mile or to have something that they want understood. And then I, I have my patients that are deaf. They will often text or email me because it's just easier than calling. And they're just so grateful, like the, the extra little steps. So I can only imagine how amazing it was for this patient to speak in her home tongue in her language and finally be able to say exactly what she needed to and know it was completely understood. Tell us more about your podcast. Oh. What so started have, it and all that? I wanted to share my story of getting into medical school at least the second time. Because I wouldn't say problem, but the thing is, I think we only share stories of success. Like in, in our part of the world, oh, he got matched into this. You know what? Like you said, guy, like after seven years, he got matched. So we only share stories of success. We never say that poor guy, he tried for so many years and he tried to scramble, didn't get into match and still trying and he's working this, but still this. We never go through that. And then if that person got into, it's lost in some way. And only the new fresh stories of success are shared. So I wanted to share my story to, I know there are so many people who are still trying to get into residency. I know people who are getting rejections after rejections and they don't know what to do. And if I say that, okay, I went through this path. If you want to take it, there is a path, like be a medical student again, and then go through residency. If I had the rejections and I was feeling bad and, but that is only my story. There are like way too many people that might have hurt or felt bad in more ways than one can imagine. I wanted to share their stories, but not only the bad part, but how they overcame that. And that could inspire other people who are listening. Oh, so even after all that hardship, there's a triumph there's a light at the end of the tunnel so that can be there so i wanted to share those stories too and then i started interviewing people my colleagues doctors and everyone and then shared their story how they became into why they came into the field and everything related uh, with their lives would be at least in some way inspired someone like a, a person if one person get inspired, I would be content. I would be very happy with that. And that was the reason for starting Med School 2.0. See the name? <laughs> Med School 2.0. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. so that's great. Um, so 
we appreciate you spending your evening with us. We appreciate your wife mm -hmm. for letting you pursue your passion and being a support and Oh, we need you. We need you <laughs> yeah. as a doctor providing for yeah. our communities. So you're you're going you're gonna to do a lot of good in the world. So thank you for Med School oh. 2.0. Thank mm -hmm. you for sticking with it. Um, thank you for being who you are. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, thank yeah. you so much. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Bye. Hi, this is Dr. Dave. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Please rate, review, and share this episode so that we can continue to get you more stories in the future.